The content discussed in this episode is for educational or informative purposes only and should not be replaced by individualized professional consultations or professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And you're tuned in to Dutch of the Podcast, where we chat and explore all things on integrative medicine. Today, we have Dr. Mahdi Brown with us. He is a qualified naturopathic doctor, mind-body medical expert, transformational life coach, and an educator. He's also the founder of Okan International and Okan Journey and operates out of Belgium. So thank you so much for being here today with us, Dr. Mahdi. We are super excited to have you on Dotif the Podcast. Welcome to our show. It's truly a pleasure to be here, and I'm really honored that you invited me on your podcast. I'm really excited about it. Thank you. I guess like health is really a topic of conversation now, right? Because of COVID and, oh, yes. and um, just life in general, all of us being stuck indoors. And something that came up uh, was how 80% of women uh, are more predisposed to autoimmune conditions than men. And that was such a crazy statistic to read because how is it that it's, you know, more women are predisposed to this? And so, you know, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, so um, I am familiar with those statistics and what... I've seen and just in clinical practice and just working in the healthcare arena for yeah almost 15 years now is that for a lot of women, um, one thing when it comes to autoimmune conditions, a lot of them are, there's a correlation. It is not necessarily causative, but there's always a correlation with stress, uh, with people becoming more predisposed and have more of a predisposition to mm -hmm. developing an autoimmune condition. And what I've seen, especially in today's age, uh, we have a lot of women who are pursuing their professional careers, but in addition to that, they are still taking on a lot of responsibility in the home life with, right. you know, taking care of partners, children, and, and especially right now, we, we call it this, this uh, sandwich generation where you have individuals mm -hmm. who are in their early 30s to uh, late 40s, early 50s, who are not mm -hmm. only taking care of themselves, but partners, children and aging parents yeah. in addition mm -hmm. to their careers. So all of that responsibility that is now being put upon these women, mm -hmm. you're not designed <laughs> to manage, yeah. you know, all of this at one time. And, 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 and that's the thing that a lot of times I, I see and what I've observed professionally with women is that you, you almost become the general managers of the universe. You take everything mm -hmm on your shoulders, all the responsibility for the care of others and yeah. making sure that they're taken care of your careers. And the mm -hmm. last individual that is taken care of is yourself. And when mm -hmm. you put yourself in that kind of position, you're going to be more susceptible to high levels of stress and creating a predisposition for autoimmune conditions to develop. And so that's my theory and what I've observed thus far in my, my professional clinical experience that has been a big issue. I mean, yeah, I one of the Harvard studies uh, results where they say kind of two of the, the reasons, the main reasons of uh, having this autoimmune disease generated is either genetics or lifestyle. And mm -hmm. when you talk about all those different stresses, be it you know, being the general <laughs> manager of the universe. Um, I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah, for that. sure. <laughs> That's definitely uh, right in the idea of uh, lifestyle management. Uh, what are some of the typical kind of autoimmune disease you've, you've seen out there that are prevalent for women? Yeah, of course. So you have like the primary ones you will see lupus, SLE for one, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Hashimoto's has been another one, multiple sclerosis. Those are like the big three that I've come across that have been uh, typically seen uh, over and over. But another one that has really come on the rise is um, this heightened sensitivity to gluten. And, yes. and, 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 and that in and of itself one, yeah. uh, becomes, you know, autoimmune condition that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you'll see a lot of women uh, starting to deal with as well. And so, again, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying, uh, Guni, with the genetic piece, you know, I, I was just talking to a potential uh, client and he has type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so with type one diabetes is considered an autoimmune condition where the immune system is attacking the pancreas, specifically the beta cells, and the individual is no longer able to produce insulin on their own. Mm-hmm. And so they become insulin dependent. And mm-hmm. that particular autoimmune condition uh, typically happens in early childhood. And for him, it was around eight to nine years of age that it developed. And what wow. we've seen, the correlation there is that when there's a lot of stress, you may have a genetic predisposition for it. But when you're dealing with acute and chronic levels of stress, which he was being exposed to in his childhood with family deaths, you know, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. discord and stuff taking place within the household as far as dysfunction and a lot of adverse childhood experiences that he was going through, it triggers the upregulation of those genes. And now he ends up with type one diabetes. And so it's it's multi, multi multifactorial because a lot of times even in medicine, we'll say, oh, it's genetic or it's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But what we now understand with epigenetics, lifestyle actually can upregulate and downregulate genes. <laughs> and right, even our emotions yeah. can our emotions can do this. So there's this synergistic interaction between our lifestyles, our choices, our emotions, our thoughts, and how the genes upregulate and downregulate and yeah. carry out various functionality within the body. And so you can't, in my opinion, even separate it even along those lines because it's so interconnected. Yeah. Um, maybe we, we backtrack for a little bit and what exactly is an autoimmune disease? What happens to yes. your body when you have a condition like that? Very good. So we have within us what is called innate immunity. And this innate immunity is designed to go around and it's constantly searching within the body to look for anything that is considered non-self. And so on each of our cells, we have these little receptors that the immune system will go and check. And based on that specific receptor, if it is recognized as self, it bypasses that cell and continues on searching for anything that's non-self. And so when you have any infection, that's considered non-self. It's not, it's not supposed to be in the body. So the immune system will mount an immune response. The innate immune system will create antibodies and then they will now target that specific antigen is what we call it, something that is not supposed to be in the body and then go after it with the vengeance to destroy it. Right. What happens with autoimmune conditions is that immune system of ours no longer begins to recognize specific cells as self and begins to attack them. And now the immune system, instead of protecting mm-hmm. self, is now attacking self. And we then end up with all of these particular conditions that fall within that umbrella of autoimmune, where the immune system now is becoming the agent of disease and deterioration in the body instead of protecting the body from outside agents that could cause that. That's really, that's, that's so interesting. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking of it in more of a energetic and like spiritual way mm-hmm. in, in, in some context, like that means your body is, I guess, harming itself because it can't deal with the conditions that's in the body at the same time. And like, I know some people with autoimmune conditions and it kind of feels like it's reflective of the state of mind that they carry with them. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Is that, okay. is that something you uh, see? <laughs> this, this is what absolutely, Tasha, I, I'm going to say this. It may be controversial. However, <laughs> I have yet to encounter one case of an autoimmune condition where it has not been reflected in that individual's 
lack of self-love, self-worth, and self-value. There's always been that correlation. And I remember one time I was actually teaching on that principle in class and one of my students who had an autoimmune condition became very upset and irate. Um, You're telling me that I caused this uh, to myself. And I I said, well, first and foremost, it's your body. We have to take responsibility for our body, the body temples we occupy. Mm -hmm. And if we were to do an exploration of how you care for yourself, specifically the thoughts and feelings you hold towards yourself and how that shows out in your behavior, I said, I'm pretty much almost 100% certain we're going to find a correlation. I've tried to prove myself wrong in this observation that I've made thus far. And so I would say with 100% certainty now, especially at this point in my career, that there is a distinct correlation between the individual's lack of self-love, lack of self-worth, lack of self-value, and how that's showing up in the choices that they're making or not making in their life based on that lack of value, love, and worth for themselves that mm-hmm. is correlated to now the body having no choice but to reflect that in the physiology. Wow. Yeah, I think what you're saying is also reflective that that correlation, we we do see it uh, in a more, so in a behavioral sense, you know, when we, we say we have like destructive behaviors where you know it's mm-hmm. not good for you, but you still go and exactly. in those like relationships that are not good for you or you do behaviors <laughs> that are good yes. for you. And it's more tangible and you can observe it and everybody sees it. Um, but it's because it's in the epigenetics or so it's something that happens in the body with, with regards to what you're doing from a vibration standpoint. Um, it's a similar kind of relationship that you have, but it's just not observable from, from the outside. Mm-hmm. One thing that we, uh, one of the principles that we teach, which is a universal principle when it comes to health and healing, the body is designed to adapt its physiology and biochemistry to the environment in which it finds. We call it adaptive right. physiology. Mm-hmm. And so not only is it adapting itself, the physiology and biochemistry to the external environment, it's also adapting itself to the internal environment as well. Not only from a physiological and biochemical standpoint, as far as what's going on with your cells, you know, how the cells are behaving, how the cells are detoxifying and taking in nutrients or the lack thereof nutrients within the body for the cells to utilize, but also, mm-hmm. you know, how you are regulating yourself from a mental, emotional, spiritual standpoint, the vibration of the body, the frequency in and of itself has profound influence. And one thing that we've now, they've done a number of studies and they, they've determined there's a direct correlation between our emotions, our, actually, our emotions actually impact and shape you know, the regulation of our DNA. Mm. And so genes are turning on and turning off just based on the emotional frequency and vibration. And so when we look at the emotions, we have to understand, okay, where the, what are the emotions? Where are they coming from? The emotions mm. are the language of the autonomic nervous system. Mm. So we sense these emotions or energy and motion, these sensations in the body that we then perceive within the brain. And then we classify them as feelings. But what we don't ever, for the most part, become aware of or conscious of underneath there, underneath the feelings, underneath the perception is this autonomic nervous system that's constantly sensing and looking for, am I safe? Am I secure? Is this a dangerous situation? Is this a life-threatening situation? And based on how it's interpreting and perceiving the environment, both internally and externally, determines the overall state in which you perceive, you feel, in essence, your personality in and of itself is being regulated and dictated by that state that the autonomic nervous system is in, whether it's in the fight or flight state, or mm-hmm. you're in this state of freeze and shutdown, where you're now in this dorsal uh, state where the body is now just in complete life threat. So it just 
conserves all energy, shuts down to protect itself. Or you're in the state of connection, the parasympathetic, you know, rest and digest connection. You're social, you're engaged, you're aligned with purpose, you're aligned with self, you're aligned with the world, you're aligned with others. And so based on which state we're finding ourselves in, that has a profound influence on the overall perception we have. And that perception is dictating, you know, how our biochemistry, physiology, our genetics are all behaving in accordance with how we're interpreting our lives. And so if we are experiencing things in our life that are not aligned, and I love what you, Guni, that you spoke about relationships. Mm-hmm. How many people do you know stay in relationships that they know innately within themselves as yeah. not serving them? They don't mm-hmm. feel good in it. They're not feeling passionate or nurtured or re- being reciprocated back to. Yeah, having a sense of love and appreciation. And they stay mm-hmm. there out of a sense of obligation to what other people may say. Right. And so when you're denying the innate calling of your soul and your spirit to say, hey, this is not serving us, but you consciously still choose to be here, the body says, well, okay, I guess who we are at a core level is no longer valid. So therefore, the immune system can attack it. Mm. That's so interesting to put it that way, to see that if you feel like you're not valid as a person, then your body recognizes that you don't feel valid. So then- The body's going to honor your truth. Yeah, we're onto something here. Uh, I I wonder, in terms of naturopathy, how does the most spiritual side or energy kind of reflected in the science of, of naturopathy? Yeah, very good question. So one of the principles of naturopathy is to treat the whole person. Mm-hmm. And so when we define what is a whole person, it's not just who you are physically, mentally, emotionally, but there's the spiritual aspect of who you are as well, as well as the relationships in which you find yourself, how you're contributing in the world and how you engage with this environment. Right. All that makes up who you are as a whole person. So from a naturopathic standpoint, that's how we look at it. In addition to that, we also understand trusting and the innate healing power that's within the body. From just a medical standpoint, let's just look at it scientifically. Mm-hmm. If you cut your arm, I can provide for you some herbs to kind of help heal it or expedite the healing process. I can put a bandage on your arm and I could tell you to take some foods to kind of help with the healing process. But the healing in and of itself, as a doctor, I can never do for you. Mm, it's right. the innate wisdom, the innate power within the body that within heals the you, body. Yeah. And right. so that, again, is part of that spiritual life force is what we call the vis, the life force that animates this physical form, that unique expression that you are occupying this physical form that is of spirit. And so there has to be a conscious awareness and alignment with the life force that you are and how that is now infiltrating this physical form and expressing itself through this physical form. And when that is limited, and this is another theory of mine, is that the body in and of itself has an electric magnetic field and acts like a magnet and a vibration has a whole particular frequency and magnetism to it. And I personally feel through my studies and this learning from my elders over the years that as long as the vibration and frequency of the body is holding a strong magnetic hold, it can keep the spirit and soul here in this world to express. As the body weakens its vibration and magnetic hold, it has no choice but to release the body. And that's what we call death. Mm. So our, our goal and our work is to really cultivate the vibration and frequency of this body so they can have a high enough magnetic field to hold that which is of us is spirit and the soul essence of who we are here in order for us to express you know, what we're here to do. And mm-hmm. so when we look at it, you know, as far as how we feed ourselves, mm-hmm. the food we take in, how, what's the vibrational frequency of the food? Are we eating things that are coming from dead sources? Or are we eating foods that are coming from living sources? Are we 
living in a way, kind of going back to what we were discussing with the autoimmune component, are we living in a way that's aligned with our truth and aligned with what we're here spiritually to do on this planet? And so as we come into this world as a whole person, you come into life integrated as one. You're not a consciousness. You're not an emotional being over here and a physical being over here. You come into the world whole. And so you have to honor and and align yourself with that principle of oneness, with that principle of wholeness. And so with the naturopathy, we look at it from that state. We can look at it through northern lens because that is how we show up here in life. And so to compartmentalize ourselves in such a way where we are looking at ourselves as, oh, who I am consciously, who I am professionally, who I am emotionally or physically, and negating the other aspects of ourselves is where we find ourselves getting in trouble. Um, before in our call, we were talking about the concept of homeostasis and the body having its natural intelligence to know when you're in a state of homeostasis. Do you mind just like explaining the link between autoimmune conditions and homeostasis? Yeah, of course. And so understanding homeostasis is the body's ability to always seek a place of harmony. So when the body is in a state where the physiology is now adapting itself and the biochemistry is adapting itself to the environment in which it finds itself. It has no choice. It, it only can do that. That is the law. Mm. Wherever the body finds itself, it will adapt to accommodate an environment. So if you've been mm. living in such a way where you haven't been taking care of yourself and you haven't been honoring yourself, now the body will seek homeostasis up to which that point you have created the conditions that you mm. now live in. Right. And if you find yourself now in a place where the most your body can do with health is what we call an autoimmune condition. That is your state of homeostasis until we can shift the environment, both physiologically and biochemically, but also spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. So there's Mm -hmm. congruence and alignment across the board. And then the body by law has no choice, but to adapt itself to a new homeostatic level, if you will, that's a higher expression. And so Mm -hmm. Autoimmune conditions, let's say autoimmune conditions are like here, as far as what the body can do to express itself, as as far as homeostasis is concerned, let's say cancer is down here. Mm -hmm. And so all the variations of health based on the condition in which the body is finding itself, and it will seek homeostasis or harmony at that level to the best of its ability until Mm -hmm. you consciously change the conditions where it can seek a higher level of homeostasis. And, Mm -hmm. And it's a constant fluctuation of seeking as much harmony and balance as it can based on the conditions in which it's finding itself. I, I find our bodies and how they're designed and how we are as human beings extraordinary because we have so much capacity for change and shifting the nature of what we're experiencing in our life just through our choices. And one thing that I always like to say is that we come into life looking like our parents. We leave life looking like our choices. So when, many good quotes. <laughs> so, yeah. so when we, so when we, are living a life that is not in such a way that we're choosing what's going to be best and most serving for us. Mm-hmm. Our life has no choice but to reflect it. Like I said, our bodies mm-hmm. are our best friends. They can only tell us our truth. Definitely. <laughs> um, would you say that burnout and stress is a key factor in people developing disease and even, oh, you know, absolutely. particularly autoimmune disease as well? 90% of all human disease is associated with stress. Mm-hmm. 90%, mm-hmm. over 90% actually. And so there's only a few, and we, again, we go back to genetics, but then I could talk to some epigeneticists and even quantum physicists who would even challenge me on saying it's not even 90%, it's 100%, mm, <laughs> you know, but right. there's a profound influence because everything that we do is based on this nervous system, right. how we experience this life's journey. And when there's dysregulation, where the nervous system is not able to regulate itself and right. establish the conditions for a higher expression of homeostasis, 
it now puts the body in a position to begin to express imbalances in what we call disease. So just before we go into seeing how stress can influence that, I think that it is valid for us to go over what stress is because the body can feel under stress by things that you're consciously not aware of. And because stress is such a generic word now, because the word stress can be taken into a very broad context. Context, So So when it comes to the body, there's four key areas of stress. And Mm -hmm. this is one of the things actually I assess, we assess on our website, there's a a free assessment where you can actually go in and see what's your key area of stress. And so the first one, you know, what you spoke of, perceived stress. And perceived stress is spiritual, mental, and emotional. Most people just think about mental and emotional. Spiritual is when you're no longer aligned with your purpose and you're not doing what you're doing here and you feel this sense of emptiness, this lack of meaning and and a sense of purpose in your life that that creates a stress on the body, physically, Mm. biochemically. Then you have sleep disturbance, which is another key uh, stressor on the body where the body is not able to regulate itself and establish a higher expression of homeostasis due to sleep disturbance and sleep dysregulation. You know, Mm -hmm. be it if you're constantly in front of your computer at night, you're eating late at night, you know, all these things that you're not getting enough sleep cycles, which typically should be between four to uh, five sleep cycles at 90 minutes per cycle every night. If you're not doing that, that's going to create stress in the body. Right. Then you have inflammatory, chronic inflammatory stressors that can come from cardiovascular disease. Any of your itises, like sinusitis is an inflammatory state of the sinuses. Yep. Uh, you know, when you have these, like they're talking about right now, myocarditis, that is the inflammation of the heart muscle or pericarditis mm. is the inflammation oh. of the sac that the heart holds itself in. So any of these that. inflammatory states can create uh, stress on the body, metabolic syndrome, folks who are dealing with type right. two and type one diabetes, those are inflammatory states, um, rheumatic conditions like arthritis, you know, mm, right. uh, rheumatoid arthritis. These are all considered chronic inflammatory conditions. When you have irritable bowel syndrome, mm. IBS, IBD, all of these are, again, chronic inflammation conditions that create stress in the body. So that's mm-hmm. the third one. The fourth one that we look at is our blood sugar imbalances. Of course, we can go back again to metabolic syndrome, but also when you're skipping meals, that creates a stress on the body. When you're missing meals in the day, when you're eating highly carbohydrate meals, especially processed carbohydrates, where you're getting an mm. influx of a massive amount of sugar, sugar in and of itself creates more acidity in the body. So the body is designed to get that sugar out of the bloodstream as quickly as possible to maintain the homeostasis of blood pH between 7.35 and 7.45. If you go mm-hmm. out of that range, you go into acidosis or alkalosis. So sugar and a lot of glucose coming into the bloodstream will take the body into a acidosis state that which can cause mm. death. So when there's any kind of blood sugar imbalances, be it to dietary consumption of foods that are causing that or the lack of movement because the Mm. body has one purpose and one purpose only is to keep us moving. That's Mm. his only job. Every cell, every organ, every system works to the end and only end of keeping you moving to navigate this planet to carry out your purpose. And so Mm. when you're not moving, you're not exercising, the body's not honoring its purpose. So that creates blood sugar dysregulation, blood sugar imbalance, Mm. which is another stressor. So when you look at those four key stressors that can impact the body, yeah, it becomes very comprehensive then as far as how the body is mitigating stress. And, and, and not only that, again, kind of going back to what I was sharing with you all earlier about the autonomic nerve system, its ability through what has been coined as neuroception, where it's looking and scanning internally and externally, looking for danger and safety right. <laughs> or connection mm-hmm. creates stress. And, and one thing that a lot of people don't realize 
if we don't, if we're not able to connect, like for example, if I was looking at, you know, you all on my screen here and you all had just cold faces and just <laughs> like, angry looking right, completely right. disengaged, my autonomic nervous system is going to interpret that as threatening. That yeah. creates a stress, that creates an automatic stress within me, even though it's unconscious to me, because I'm looking yeah. in your faces for cues for connection to right. see if there's, you know, engagement there. So all of this is a part of that stress response. Mm. Something so basic, but so mm -hmm. crucial in the human experience, right? Mm -hmm. That we take for granted. Yeah, we're not even, most times we're not even conscious of it. And this goes all the way back mm -hmm. to when we even came into the world as babies, we were looking into mom's face or dad's face or whoever our caregiver's face was for connection, for some sense of belonging, sense of safety and reinforcement mm -hmm. of self-identity and self-expression. And if we weren't getting that, we weren't getting that co-regulation, we begin to self-regulate in a very unhealthy way. And all that creates more stress in the body. This is part one of our two-part episode with Dr. Madi, where we unpack why autoimmune conditions are more prevalent amongst women and how stress is almost always the root cause of these conditions. Check out our next episode where we learn the tools of managing these stresses and how to bring your body back to a state of balance. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select the follow or subscribe button. For now, stay safe and we'll see you next week.